Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 101 as an understrength England side take on the Springboks at Twickenham in an attempt to finally put an end to their recent run of poor form. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, uh, welcome to a pretty important episode. It's the first of the Autumn Internationals, England taking on South Africa. And of course, I'm joined as always by Dan for this first of our Autumn International Live podcast series. Hi, mate. Hello, buddy. It's sort of sneaked up on me. I I say that. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, but I'm sat in exactly the same place as I was for the third test and in my missus' sitting room while uh, she's been sent out for the day. Good. That's what I like to hear. Um, there's quite a lot to talk about today. Uh, we've, we've got the usual, we've got some reviews to read out. We've got some questions, some interesting questions, actually, from some of our listeners that we're going to discuss. Um, obviously, we need to talk about the team. A um, few last-minute changes there. Um, and uh, and we can have a quick look as well at the, the South Africa team. And, of course, we will finish this section with our predictions um, before leaving you for the briefest of moments Um and then uh, we'll come back to you at half time and again at full time. Um, so you get that sort of uh, hey, uh, uh, how, how we feel about the game as it's progressing rather than just giving you the same um, post-match kind of reaction that you'll get from everybody else. So hopefully it's, uh, it's a refreshing alternative to the, the others that are out there. But um, yeah, so I mean, we'll start. With the reviews, just one one new review's come in uh, from Josh Haff. He gives us five stars. He says, the best thing to happen since Lo- Joe Launchbury first picked up a rugby ball. Guessing <laughs> he's a Joe Launchbury fan. Uh, Aren't we all? <laughs> but uh, yeah, unfortunately, Joe, not uh, not part of this setup. Going to injury, which is a shame uh, for sure. Definitely going to be one of the ones that's missed. Um, but yeah, appreciate the, uh, the five stars there, Josh. Um and then, uh, what should I, I mean, I think probably a couple of a couple of questions. That I guess they're two sides of the same. They're two completely different approaches, actually, to the same story. So the first one was uh, on Twitter. It was from Freya Goodman, who says people always talk about picking Cipriani over Ford, which I wouldn't do anyway. That's her, not me. Um, but personally, I think it's more about whether you pick him over Farrell. In my opinion, with those three players, there are only four possible combinations for playmaker. Ford at 10, Farrell at 10, Cipriani at 10, or Ford at 10 with Farrell at 12. I don't believe that week in, week out, Farrell and Cipriani have the relationship to work well together uh, and direct the team between them. One of the biggest criticisms of Cipriani is his temperament, and I don't think he would be able to share those playmaking decisions with Farrell in the way that Ford can. Furthermore, in a way... The Cipriani argument is almost obsolete because usually when pundits, etc. are asked to build a dream 23, he doesn't feature because Farrell's at 10. Do we really want to try and develop a new playmaking axis less than a year before the World Cup? I think stick with Farrell and Ford either together or just Farrell at 10, which is obviously obviously what Eddie's gone for today. Yeah, um, so that's interesting. And before we comment on that, are you going to go on about the... Other one from either the Facebook one. Oh, I I am, but I, I want to let's have a quick chat. Well, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, let's do that one too. I won't read all of that out because that is a long one. Um, but it's very. Uh, I really like this one. This was interesting. This it's a very interesting one. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, well, let, let's see. Let's see how we get on. I might end up reading it all out because it is, as you say, it's it's well put together. He says, so, "Hi guys, I've been listening to the pod for this, a while." This is a uh, Peter. Who, what's the guy's name again? Pe- Peter. Is. Peter. Yeah, Peter Bruton or Bratton. Um, he says, yeah. hi guys, I've been listening to the pod for a while and wanted to share my appreciation for your efforts. On the last pod, you discussed at length the dual captain role, and I wanted to throw in my thoughts. I believe the co-captain role is symptomatic of Owen Farrell having too much influence, which is detrimental to this England team. Grenade dropped. He's, uh, he's such a, a headstrong individual, I think he stifles the other players' voices in the squad. This explains the lack of other leaders, issues and co-captain farce. As you previously mentioned, every other Tier 1 nation would just appoint a vice-captain and Eddie Jones' hesitancy to do this demonstrates the influence that Farrell has over the incumbent captain Hartley. The second example of this is George Ford. Uh, When playing with Owen Farrell, his running game largely disappears, as does the influence a world-class fly-half should impose on test matches. 
By contrast, George Ford's form when Owen Farrell is not in the team sh- on the team sheet is fantastic. Being a leader, running, kicking imperiously, for example, the Argentina tour and obviously uh, what he does with Leicester. Uh, the detrimental impact of Owen Farrell has led to the general public's opinion that George Ford wouldn't make a good bench option when compared to Danny Cipriani. Additionally, this may explain Danny Cipriani's omission from the squad as he has an ego slash leadership uh, that would stand up to Farrell. While Owen Farrell is a fantastic player and should be in the team, I think his aggressive personality needs to be brought in check for the team to play to its potential. Thoughts? <laughs> he says no need to re- actually read out my essay, but actually, as you start to go through it, all, it, it kind of is necessary to to share the entire thing because it's 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 a completely different opinion to one to anything that we've had to date. But it's very interesting. What were your thoughts on that? I think there's real value to that. I think there's some really good points. Whether it's quite to that level, but it is true. George Ford does seem to be somewhat. I I don't know if it in layman's yeah, terms it's better like, when Owen Farrell isn't there. Yeah, he does seem to though, doesn't he? He did, Farrell does seem to overshadow him a bit. Yeah. Uh, whether that's just the nature of the game plan, but for England versus the fact that he's not able to do that, but Farrell is. Farrell is a very um, dominant character with regards to he just commands respect, not necessarily because he's the loudest or anything, but he does command respect. And I think it's very true. Him and Cipriani, I think, probably would clash quite a lot um, if they're playing there together a long time. But interestingly, though, because of what the points that he's making here and the fact that he's saying that, that Farrell's kind of dominance, if you like, needs to be brought into check. Um, is that not a, a? I mean, this is not the time to be trying these things out. Admittedly, uh, a year year out, less than a year out from a World Cup. But you know, do you need a Danny Cipriani, someone who can challenge Owen Farrell, someone who can who can force other opinions? Because you know, if if any of if there's any truth in what he's saying, what Peter's saying here, then you know there will be players who have things they want to say that are perhaps not saying them because of Owen Farrell's dominance. And would someone like a Cipriani bring more out of the other players? You know, it's definitely clear. Like we, we, you think, for as long as I can, yeah, for as long as I can remember, when talking about Ford and Farrell as a pair, as a partnership, and how amazing they are, and how they can read each other's minds, and all this kind of stuff, it's always been pretty clear that Owen Farrell is the dominant of the two. He wears the trousers in that particular relationship. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of makes sense. that hey, George, George Ford's Ford wearing a skirt? Or? I guess so, yeah. Okay, good for him. Yeah, we're not sexist on this pod at all. <laughs> well, so, why, why can't they play trousers? Sorry, carry on. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, pipe down. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's an interesting one. Um, and I quite like I quite like the theory. It's not one I've, I've heard before. It's not one I've considered before. But now that I'm reading what he has to say, I'm thinking, yeah, that makes sense. And, and you're right. Like He is an important part of the team. That, you know, when I don't think anyone's suggesting that he shouldn't be involved. But yeah, I think it does beg the question, how do you get the most out of the entire team whilst continuing to get the most out of Owen Farrell? Um, and, I guess, and I think there's massive values for bits he was saying about the captaincy as well. Yeah. But it's you know it's it, you don't want to you don't want Owen Farrell to lose what he has, no, and so no, the, da- no. the danger is if you do bring in someone who perhaps challenges him a little bit and and brings more out of the rest of the team, do you lose something from Owen Farrell, or or is Owen Farrell just it's not that he needs to be in control, it's just that he does his thing and you know he's pro- possibly not even aware that he's holding others back, so it wouldn't necessarily you know maybe he doesn't take issue with other people challenging him maybe he would actually get a kick out of it there's just no one who does it because he's such a strong voice in the team so it, it was quite interesting i remember and this is literally just popped into my head i remember jim hamilton uh the ex-scotland second row once saying uh, i can't remember whether it was by his podcast or by a tv interview once saying um about alan farrell because obviously they played together at saracens and saying that how Farrell used to get annoyed with people who didn't take things as seriously as he did. Uh, you know, that's not to say people who won't train as hard or anything, but if they aren't as sort of committed or dedicated as him, which is a hell of a commitment, Owen Farrell apparently can get quite quite frustrated with people. And I'm not saying that George Ford is more committed than Danny Cipriani or anything like that, but 
I can imagine George Ford would, uh, let's just say, rile Owen Farrell less than Danny Cipriani. So that bit's interesting. But like you were saying earlier, do you need somebody to challenge that? Do you need somebody to sort of pull that in check? I kind of think you might be. Yeah, maybe. Or just don't do it at all. Or, yeah, just put Farrell at 10. Which is which, which is what is he's doing, and I'm and it's going, what yeah. it's what we wanted to see. So yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's a yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one, really. But I suppose the thing is, is that the team as it as it stands today for the for the South Africa game, Farrell starting at ten with Ford on the bench. We always said George Ford is not a a finisher. Um, you know, you don't get the most out of him when Farrell's on the pitch. And let's be honest, unless something goes horribly wrong, Owen Farrell is not going to be replaced by Ford. Ford's going to come on and Farrell's going to move to 12. So you're bringing, if that, if any of this is true, you're bringing George Ford on to not play his best rugby because he's playing inside Owen Farrell. Whereas a Cipriani yeah. maybe changes things up a little bit. But I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. It, it may well be if that... we're taking it as gospel, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is a theory that, that Peter has that's just an interesting one because we've not heard it before. Um, so guys, if you've, together, yeah. yeah, so so guys, you're listening. If you've got opinions on this, if you think differently, um, let us know. Um, if you agree, you know, if this is if like us, this you're hearing this for the first time and thinking, oh, that actually does sound like there's some some truth in that. Then then you know, let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Eddie does with sort of twenty thirty minutes to go because he's gone for a very different setup this time around. I think one that's far more in keeping with what he perhaps wanted right from the start. He's instead of having the 10 12 playmaker channel, he's he's got Tio at 12 and then Slade on the outside at 13. So his playmakers actually are either side of his crash ball man, if you like. And I know we've talked about Tio in the past and how he does have more to his game than simply crashing up the middle. Um, but I, I would imagine that that's the the sort of the attribute that um, that Eddie Jones is particularly interested in for this game, for this for this uh squad. Um but it's, so it's very different to anything we've seen under Eddie Jones to date. Yeah, it'll be interesting because the South Africa patch day is absolutely huge. Yeah, and ours so, is particularly small for, for us. <laughs> it, it, it's not, yeah, it's not the thing. So I wonder, Eddie's, to me, Eddie's game plan is going to be to move the ball about early on, keep moving it about and tire out that big pack. Yeah, I mean, we've got some, uh, what we do have in the pack is, so, so set piece could be interesting um, in, a, in a slightly worrying way. But um, yeah. but in the loose, we've got a lot of a lot of sort of pace in the pack, um, and so maybe that's the area they're going to focus on it. And it'll be very interesting if that is the case, because it's something that we've all been calling for for so long and, and haven't really seen from England is is the breakdown. Um, and you know, England have always sort of sat back on their laurels a little bit and banked on their set piece, which perhaps is not going to be quite so uh, effective. This time around, when I say set piece, obviously I'm talking about the scrum because the line out. Uh, we should still be in pretty good shape with the line out, but um, yeah, that, that's the big worry, isn't it? I mean, it, it, two, two. Of, let's, say, let's name a team actually while we're doing that. Well, okay. I mean, oh, just, right. I mean, do we just, need to? I no, no, no. I mean, no, we can do. Yeah, I was just going to say just before we do though, two. I think a key thing to this in this game is going to be the fact that South Africa are missing two of their best world-class players in Faf de Klerk and Willie LaRue. Um, and that's because uh, in both cases, they play in the UK. And as this game is officially outside the test window, they don't have to be released. Uh, and I believe that in both cases, you know, an agreement was struck that allowed them to leave their clubs to go and play in the championship on the condition that they would not be available for the Autumn Internationals in November. So it's not like the clubs have sort of turned around and said, at the last minute, we're not going to let you play. This has always been known, um, but it does mean that South Africa are without, you know, Fafta Clerk, who in the in the summer was, I think, the difference. I think he's the best player in the world at the moment. Um, and Willie Larue, who we, we know what he can do, he's probably, you know, equally, if, if not, you know, just just shy of being equally as important to South Africa. Um, so, if our game plan does involve trying to dominate uh, across the across the field. Um, and I'm not saying that I think necessarily that England are that much better than South Africa in the backs, but I think if that is the game plan and the first halves of both of the first two games in the summer, you know, saw what we could do when we did move the ball about, not having either of those two could be uh, could be good for us. 
Yeah, it could be. But I, and one one thing I want to because a couple of people have said this to me this week, and I'm not suggesting this is what you're saying. But a couple of people have been like, "Well, South Africa are with Africa, Lewis." I'm like, we're without Billy, Mako, oh, yeah. Courtney Laws, Joe Laundry. I mean, actually, our team's more hindered. Fair enough, different reasons. But this is, I mean, this is a full-on international test match. I mean, this is as good a test as Absolutely. it's going to be. And let's be honest, if you, you know, in, a, in a World Cup year, or, you know, well, it is effectively a World Cup year. There's less than 12 months to go. Um, you need more than 15 or, or 23 people who are capable of, you know, playing your your best rugby yeah you, know, yeah you need a squad who's capable of going and playing whatever it is seven back-to-back games you need well not seven wins but seven back-to-back games to reach the final so you need a you need a squad that's capable of doing that not a first team and then hope that the the big guys filling in the gaps can can play all right so you know you need to be able to play without some of your and that's probably not true actually you don't want to be playing without your best players but do you know what I mean? Like, I think. I, but you I, need I, to be able to. You're right. Yeah, you're it's, right, it's, it's not any less of a test because they're missing two key players. Because, like you say, we're missing, you know, two of our key players in. But the, well, in I, the I don't think we can use. The, I don't think we can use missing Billy because I don't think we'll miss Billy. Not when you've got Mark Wilson. <laughs> That'll be an interesting one. I mean, I can't. I I'm not going to comment too much at this stage. I don't know enough about him as a player. I don't know enough either. I mean, we 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 both thought Ben Morgan would get the uh, the, the the call. He didn't. Uh, Zach Mercer's obviously on the bench, but he is a very different number eight. Uh, Eddie Jones has always been quite vocal about wanting, you know, a big ball carrying number eight. Maybe he just feels like that's not an option, and he's gone down a different route. Um, I think what's going to be very interesting today, as far as the England pack is concerned, is the fact that it's quite an unknown, quite a not an unknown, but you know, quite a sort of inexperienced team. And whilst there's obvious, there's the obvious dangers with that, it it, it offers quite a dangerous prospect for South Africa too because they don't really know what this team looks like in England shirts. Um, and so they won't know, you know, it's not like they can say, right, well, we saw what they did in the summer, so we just need to prepare for that because it's it's going to be a completely different, it's a completely different game plan, oh, clearly. In the summer, so. it's, a, it's a different team and, you know, these guys have so much to prove and I guess to a degree, expectation is a little bit lower because of it. So... You know, it'll be very interesting to see if any of these really step up and go. Hold on a second, look, you've you've not really written me in uh, to date. Well, I'm about to show you why you should have done. Um, and obviously, that's what we're all hoping yeah. to see. So, a few things. I, I probably the key things I want to see today. Um, firstly, Dylan Harley. I want to see how he's looking. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And how much impact it has having him back. And like you say, this is a great opportunity for some of these guys. Someone has got someone in that pack. I, I don't know who's got real opportunity to be like, yeah, I'll have that shirt. Um, well, well, I think you've got, you, you know, uh, uh, Alec Hepburn is is a big opportunity for him with Mako. Yeah, it really is. It really is. With Mako unavailable and uh, Joe Marler having retired. You know, Joe, he's, no, he's, why? He's the first. He's you know he's now the first choice, um, having been the third choice. Uh, yeah. So massive opportunity for him to to state a claim. Um, you know, I suspect. You know, I don't more than suspect. You know, Maka obviously is going to come back strong, but you know, it'd be great if um, Hepburn can sort of put a stamp on the shirt and just say, "Look, I'm here. I'm here to challenge the way that Joe Marley used to uh, used to kind of challenge." Because um, we want we want a front row that is completely interchangeable. Um, you know, we yeah. don't, it doesn't need to be starters and finishers. It just needs to be six people. Well, you know, four props or two two loose heads, two tight heads, two hookers, and it doesn't matter which way around you do them. It's it, so that's what we're hoping for. Because obviously, we've effectively then got fourth string in. Is it Moon? Yeah, yeah, but but, but he's about covering. Yeah, so whichever way around that is. But yeah, so so yeah, big big opportunity for Alec Hepburn. Obviously, Hartley's back and and needs to prove that. Uh, his leadership has been missed. Carl Sinclair, we know what he's capable of. He did it for the Lions, um, but this is a relatively you're starting for England is a relatively rare thing for him. So he has a massive opportunity to uh, to show why this should be his his spot. Um, and then obviously Harry Williams is on the bench. We know what he can do. He's done it before. Um, you know, we we talked him up a lot in Argentina. We about how so good he was. Him in the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we're both big fans. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, obviously, Toe <laughs> Jane Cruz, two of the awesome foursome. Um, 
good to see a Tojo at four. I'm glad he didn't move into the back row. I, I didn't want yeah, to see him in the so back glad, row. Yeah, so glad, so glad. Um, so hopefully those two can just do a job. And hopefully Marrow's just back. Some arrow of a Tojo is who we want to see today. We do. hundred percent, mate. hundred percent. You know, lots to prove. I think he, 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 it felt a little bit towards the end of the last season like he was, for England at least, he just didn't seem to have the passion anymore, the passion that he had when he first came on the scene. And I want to see that from him today. Um, some big hits and whatnot. Shane Courtney Laws isn't there. Always love a big hit from him. Um, but yeah. uh, George Cruz there to fill in the gaps. Uh, and obviously that, you know, the injuries means that Charlie Ewells gets his shot off the bench, um, who you've been mm-hmm. calling for for a little while. You know, don't know if you want to make him part of the can't think of a word that rhymes with fiveson. No, 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 I don't think we need to. No, okay. uh, <laughs> uh, and then and then yeah, back row. Tom Tom Curry. We've we've kind of you know we've been telling saying that the seven shirts his for a while. So although he he's inexperienced, he's also kind of already inked in in our minds at least as the seven. I'm uh, kind of liking the continuity at seven, uh, Brad and, and I'm at happy six. to see Curry or Andy Yeah, Brad Shields at six. I, I think you know people need to remember that he. He may not have had the best summer tour with England, but he had literally just flown over from New Zealand. Yeah. It's all completely new to him. It was a new setup, new ethos, new people, you know. But he come he came over as a world class player, you know, on the verge of, you know, teetering on the outskirts of the All Blacks, uh, you know, captaining the Hurricanes. He's an experienced player with leadership qualities. It's something that England need, needs. And and I think, you know, you just needed to give him a bit more time and to see him in one in one tour. It wasn't enough. Plus, he was flying back to New Zealand afterwards to finish off his season. You know, he was at the end of a long season at the time. I think, you know, let's let's not uh, pass too much judgment there. I think he's a good shout, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, um, having had a bit more time with the boys. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 the big question mark is Wilson at eight. I, and as I say, I don't know anything about him. Um, so we shall see, you know, what, what comes from that. I, I know enough about him to be surprised he's starting at eight. But that's not undermining him as a player. Yeah, I hope it proves me wrong. But Zach Mercer, obviously, a very different type of number eight, but a big running, not big, a small running uh, number eight. Very different, I, I guess. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that works out because the the, I, the, the I last time gone. Sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry I was say, I think Mark Wilson is there because he wants a bit more grit, just a bit more hardness. I think Zach Mercer, as a rugby player, as a tactical rugby player, is a lot better player than Mark Wilson. But I think Mark Wilson is just fucking hard as nails. Possibly. I mean, if we think back to the kind of the, the Eddie Jones heyday with England, you know, eighteen months, two years ago, we used to we used to bang on about how much we liked the look of the bench, the finishers, as they were known. You know, they they looked like they were going to come on and make an impact. Um, uh, yeah, and I want, and I know that it's difficult to do that with four hundred odd caps injured. Um, but uh, you know, I want, I want to look at the bench and go, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that twenty minutes when they come on, or that twenty five minutes when they come on, because I can see they're going to make a real difference. I don't want it to look <laughs> like, you know, they're just there to replace tired like, players because yeah. I think the people on the pitch need to be able to play the full eighty. These guys need to be there to come on to to just change the tempo, to change the game. And, and it'll be interesting to see if that's something Zach Mercer can do, particularly if England have done a good job of, as you say, tiring out the South African forwards in, in out the, the, first, the first 60 or so. Uh, I think that's where someone like Zach... And I think maybe that's why he's doing what he's doing. You know, let Wilson get in there and get Hello. dirty. And... Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me, Dan? I can hear you fine. Yeah, yeah, I can hear I can hear you now. Good. That was pretty pretty weird of you. You need to keep holding the phone. Yeah, I am. I, I don't know what happened. Just anyway, I was just saying, yeah, so so Wilson Wilson there to kind of get down and dirty and then bring Zach Mercer on to to you know bring you know, suddenly Yeah, just just maybe score a couple of tries, that'd be nice. Um and then obviously Danny Kerr, we know what he can do off the bench. Um and then so the other big news is obviously the the injury to Manu Tuolangi. We were all super excited to see him on the bench, ready to make his first start in however long it's been. And he gets another little groin strain. Uh, so hopefully it's nothing too serious. Hopefully it's a bit of sort of cotton wool treatment. New Zealand's coming up. They want to make sure he's 
good for that get for that game. You know, Eddie Jones has always been pretty vocal about the fact that you know he sees Manu Tuolagi as someone who can you know pu- punch holes in a New Zealand defence. Maybe he's thinking, I don't want to take any chances. Let's rest him up. Let's make sure that he's fit for New Zealand. Um, and there are obviously plenty of options. I say plenty of options, but you've got Chris Ashton, who's the other one that everyone's kind of wanting to see in an England shirt. Been four years for him yeah. as well. Um, and I think this is good because when I looked at the team originally, there was no back three cover. So originally you had George Ford, uh, you had Manu Tuolagi, and you had Danny Kerr as the backs replacements. Danny Kerr obviously scrum half. George Ford obviously fly half. They're the only two positions either of them is going to play. And then you had Manu Tuolagi. Well, he's not covering the back three. Yes, you could push Henry Slade into the back three, but he's not a winger. He's not a fullback, even if he can play there, if he has to, at a stretch. So in some ways, Chris Ashton coming in, I think, makes it a more balanced 23. Yeah, but you're right. I'd like to manage as well. So, well, I just fingers crossed that he's, it's nothing too serious. I know he's back training with the Mavs tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Um, so hopefully he, it's it's nothing too serious. And, and yeah, he train train next week and be fit for New Zealand uh, in a week's time. But, um, but uh, yeah, and Owen Farrell at 10, of course, is, is, is the big change that we've been calling for for some time. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. Although the last time this happened, um, was the World Cup, wasn't it? Um, didn't didn't Farrell get put at ten, and everyone made a huge song and dance about the fact that it was Andy Farrell's in, um, influence that pushed forced it when it should have been George Ford? And didn't that? That's really, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. But Farrell's obviously uh, a far lots, better player now than he was then. Just the amount he's improved. Yeah, like lots changed since it's then. Not uh, um, apples for apples, or whatever they say. Um, <laughs> Never heard that, but I'll tell you what. There you go. Um, write, write it down. I so, just have, mate. So yeah, so there's there's some interesting things going on. Um, it's going to be a really. I think I'm I'm really quite excited for it, and I, and I think England have a really good chance. I think there's been a lot of doom and gloom uh, around the England setup, but as we've said, you know, they they're not coming off the back of a loss. They're coming off the back of a win. They're looking to rebuild. Um, a, a, a kind of a winning streak, um, and I and I, as I always do, <laughs> have complete faith. When prediction time comes, it's going to be in England's favour, I think. But um, just I, before, I think this is a really tough match. It is a tough I game. Think with the South African pack. This is a really tough match. I'm still back in England, but I think I think if they win, it's a great result. Well, look, before we go to predictions and and leave everyone for the anthems and the first half, um, we normally shit all over everything that Jerry Guskett has to say because we don't really like him. We think he's a bit of a bit of a nose. But he makes an interesting point this week uh, where he's clearly been listening to us. Um, and this is talking about results. An awful lot of people saying if England don't get a win at least three out of four, you know, it's it's curtains for Eddie Jones, it's a disaster, it's all over. And as he said, and as we've said, yes, of course, England need to beat Japan. Take them out of the equation for a minute, and I hope I don't rue saying that. Um, if England were to lose against South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia, but put in good performances, you know, close games uh, that they that they maybe just lose, you could look at that and say, yeah, of course, the wins would have been nice. But they were good performances with a weakened side, you know, a year out from a World Cup. They now, you know, and, and against the best teams in the world, they've they've kind of fought hard and, and they know where they are and they know what they need to improve on. And that's a kind of a good place to be. It, well, no, so this, it's not a good place to be. I disagree with that. I fully appreciate his point. If they're putting really strong performances and show that they can compete, that's that is great. That is a good place to be. But if you lose all three, that is very worrying, especially with Australia down in that rank. I think they're the like thing, number seven in the world. They now. Are. I think the thing to remember with Australia, and this is we'll find this out in four weeks' time, whatever it is. Australia are five from five losses against England. Uh, yeah. I think the last five. Uh, obviously, they've had a pretty poor uh, showing in the champion rugby championship. Um, they, you know, they, and they have a huge amount to prove. So. There's going to be that element. I mean, we know that when you look at the the names on the team sheet, they're a good team on paper. Um, they've not been delivering, and it's and it's you know, in the same way that England 
for the last seven games prior to their win in South Africa, um, or six games, whatever it was, you know, we know they're a good team on paper, but they weren't performing, they weren't delivering. Australia have the ability with the team that they have to put in a performance where even a strong performance for England you know, may not be enough. That's not to say that I don't think England are good enough to beat them. Obviously, they are. Um, so I guess my, my point is is that the, the, the result at this stage in a World Cup campaign is less important than the performance. And that's what we think we have to remember. You know, we want to see strong performances from this England side. Yes, we want wins. But if we don't get them, let's not all start saying Eddie Jones has got to go until we've judged the performances of that, of that team. Yeah, yeah, we need to see what happens, but it's good. But let's, uh, yeah, let's crack on. I'm, I'm keen to get going. So, what what are you saying? Talk, talk to me, Akers. I'm not, go- I'm not going to go scoreline because I, I've given because... up trying to trying to work out whether or not you know all the chat about defence and letting in too many tries from. But, uh, it's really uh, tough to judge and scoreline, and then, and then looking at what our Premiership, what's happening in our Premiership. So I, I suspect it will be reasonably high scoring. Um, but I'm going to go England by seven. Interesting. I'm going to go England by three. Okay. And I, and I, um, yeah, I, I reckon 50, 50 to 60 points scored in the game. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Somewhere in that vicinity. So, yeah, obviously we're back in England. We, you know, With England Rugby Pod, that's what we're here to do. Um, but uh, but I believe it. I believe it's possible. I believe that they can do it, even with a with a weakened side. I think there's guys there that are that are going to be put, you know, leaving nothing, leaving nothing on the pitch. Yeah, that's the that's the yeah. right saying. There you go. That, uh, that's right. And, that, and that's what and that's what we want to see. So it's going to be a good one. We're going to leave you guys now, but uh, of course um, we we won't be. Yeah, I think we're going to hear hear some anthems. Um, settle in for the first half. We'll be straight back after the first half to discuss how things have looked and whether anything that we've discussed in the last sort of t- 20 minutes or so is uh, coming to fruition. So we will uh, see you then. Hey guys, uh, welcome back. Uh, so first half is out the way. Um, Dan, what are your thoughts? Uh, a few things. Firstly, this is going to annoy people and I don't care. Stuart Barnes is an absolute legend. I really like him. Really? I've never heard the word totemic before today. I've used it in about 10 WhatsApp messages. I, I wish he would heard. stop talking about how England will be delighted. They'll be over the moon. They'll be ecstatic. Um, Mate, he's right. We have been we have been out muscled. Uh, yeah, it's Menvy boys. I don't know. I don't know. It's just I, you say that, but but you know, you look at the scoreline. Well, so South Africa have made some poor decisions. Definitely, I think actually, as much as I slagged off John Mitchell, I think our last ditch defence has been brilliant. Yeah. Um, the defence overall, there's a few times where you could perhaps stop it a bit earlier, but um, England won. The the yellow card period three nil. Yeah, I mean, that's that's but we shouldn't have. Had. That's always a great result. Oh, that is that is yeah. And, you know, and you have to sort of cre- credit the the sort of the defence. And yeah, South Africa made mistakes, but that happens in rugby, and it's about it's about how you it's about how you defend and attack mm-hmm. those situations. And and you know, we uh, whenever South Africa made the mistakes, the key thing is that England capitalised on them. And I think a lot of what we've seen from England over the past couple of years, or the past sort of. 12 months, let's say, has been the inability to capitalise on the opposition's mistakes. But is, is this a concern? So I, I completely agree with what you say. We've had two opportunities in the whole game, realistically, and we've taken them both, so we've capitalised. But the fact we've only had two opportunities. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. We've had maybe 15 or whatever. Yeah, it's... it's 
I don't know is the answer. I think on the one hand, I want to say this is a team that went toe to toe with New Zealand in a high scoring game and, and beat them the first time and narrowly lost to them the second time. And, yeah, well, we're, we be doing and we're currently two points adrift. Um, it's, it doesn't, but, but, it's, it's not good enough. No, yeah, agreed. Um, uh, part of me feels like something. I don't know. I, I if I find it difficult to say it, but I, I almost feel like Farrell at ten. I don't know. Maybe it's Tio's not to me. He's not offering enough in attack. Like he's he's playing. I think he's playing brilliantly in defense. Defensively, he's been really solid, um, causing problems in the middle. Um, but maybe maybe just not not. He's not damaging. He's not creating. He's not punching holes, which is kind of what you want from him. Uh, I, I don't know. It's probably too soon to, to kind of judge performances. I think you know a lot. Rugby generally these days comes down to the last 20, 30 minutes, and the key thing is that you have got to be in the game at that point. Um, so yeah, there's that. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I mean, it, yes, I want to see more. That you know, apart from Atojo's yellow card, which in some ways is annoying that we're giving away those penalties, but he probably saved a try in the process. I, 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 think, I think he had to, yeah. I, I, I don't... I, I'm not annoyed that he did No, that. and his first penalty, you know, the, the, the holding on in the line-out, I mean, okay, his hand was on Etzebeth's shoulder, but I don't think he even moved Etzebeth off his plane, so I don't know whether that's... Is that reasonable? Like you're good, There's going to be contact... I think that the, the penalty rule surely is about you're not allowed to pull them down, which he didn't, in my opinion. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. He, he went. In fact, it was identical to the one that followed, where George Cruz did the exact same thing. But I don't know. Yeah. So, so it's, unfortunate. But yeah, England gave away too many penalties early on, but none of them were, none of them were, were absolute shockers. And they and and certainly the last twenty minutes was much better. Uh, the scrum, everyone thought we were going to get absolutely dominated in the scrum. And apart from that one, we've been pretty, the scrum's been pretty solid. Now, I don't know if that's just South Africa and not competing. The scrums don't seem to be doing much movement, generally. If you're talking purely about scrums, as in the actual scrummage, then yes. But two things. Firstly, I think think a lot of England players are like your wallet on a night out, just gone missing. Oh, you got drugs. (laughs) Yeah, you like that one. Um, and up front, I, I just, I think we've been dominated up front. So when you're saying about Farrell at 10, I don't, and Tio, I don't think they gave him a chance. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, ben Young, for me, Ben Young's is kicking the ball away too much. You know, yeah, th- there have been mean, one or two that have been, that have been inch perfect and they've been great. Um, there was that one that he put out wide, um, and Johnny May was able to just bundle him into touch. Lovely. But there's also been a lot where he's given them a good, Five meters of clearance to, to decide what to do, and what's the point? I think I'm, we're on the back foot a lot. Um, the up front, so that I am not seeing enough grit from the players. Tom Curry, I think, is showing some grit. The others are not, not that they're not, you know, not that they're backing down or anything. I want there to be a bit more, just be a bit more gnarly, a bit, a bit more, more nastiness. Yeah, but um, you know, if England, if England in the second half go out and you know. Turn, turn it on and start getting points, and it, you know you'd look back and you'd say, okay, it was a, it was a, you know, a thoughtful, considered first half. It, it kept the scoreline down. They did what they needed to do, yeah. and then they, and then they put their foot down. That's obviously what we want to see. That's what we're hoping the game plan so evolves into. Right. Um, if, um, obviously, if South Africa are going to be out to do the same thing, but um, yeah, if the rest of the match continues like this, I'm worried. Even yes. even if we. Even if we snuck a win, but it continued. Like but if this. you looked at it from the other side, you know, would you? What would you say? If, you know, South Africa coming into this game, you know, po- po- potentially the probably the second best team in the world right now on paper, maybe the third best with Ireland. Um, they don't. They're certainly not performing against England the way that you would expect them to perform, given that they supposedly just you know beat the world's greatest ever team. Yeah, but but mate, is that not worrying? The fact that you're saying. You know, they've just done that. In fact, we're not talking about England in that same. It breath. does, yeah, it does worry me. And I, unfortunately, I feel like that's a little bit the way that things have gone until we until England can can find that form again and start going in the right direction. But you're right, we're here to we're here to back England with our especially specially coloured glasses. So I'm going to change my opinion and say, uh, yeah, it's, it's simply not good enough. England should be dominating. Yeah, we should be. Uh, to answer your earlier question, 
I'm a South African fan right now, and this was South African rugby pod, I'd be saying we should be 15 points up. And therefore and, worried. Right, if I'm a South African fan, I'd be like, we should be 15 points up, we made poor decisions, but we're dominating the game. As an England fan, I'm saying, but we've the, done what we needed yeah, to do. Okay, we, but we, you look, look at the sum at all. England dominated the game and then lost twice. What? Where? In the sum at all. I don't know if they dominated, mate. I, dominate I mean, in game short. one, we were about 30 points up at half-time. Uh, halfway through the first half, but then South Africa came back and dominated for the second half. Yes, yeah. which is what England's going to do in the second yeah, half. Well, here. you don't go and do that now. So that's what I'm saying. So South Africa have dominated the first half and we've prevented them from scoring. Psychological, you see, you get in their heads. Then we dominate the second half, but they don't stop us from scoring. Boom. That's the that's the oh, game well, plan. Yeah, it's, it's the right. That's what I'm calling. That's what I'm calling. I'm, you know, I've I've got a fifty plus point game predicted here with a seven point win for England. We need to score some points in the second half. Um, yeah, but hey, what do we yeah. think in terms of changes? Uh, if you're making your changes right now with the bench that we've got, what are you doing? Uh, I am bringing on Ben Moon. But Hepburn, I don't think Hepburn played badly or anything. Ben Moon's just an older head. I think he's a bit more gnarly. I thought Wilson's like, doing all right. Mark Wilson. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been all right. Again, I think the whole thing's like, people haven't really had the opportunity to... It's been such a kind of... showcase themselves. Yeah, it's been such a sort of weird game in the first half that it's difficult to really... Play, you know, pass judgment on individual performances at this at this stage. I kind of need the full eighty to decide what I think. Yeah. Well, it's been nice. uh, given that we have quite a small amount to to, to discuss here, then and we seem to be struggling to come up with any real uh, uh, explanations for what's going on. Should we? Um, should we? That which is always what we. Yeah. Should, should we leave everyone? Um, to, to watch the second half and then come back and do this properly uh, once the game's finished and we've got a result. Let, let's do that, shall we? Sounds like a plan. Guys, um, join us again in moments um, and uh, we, shall see, we shall see if our predictions come true. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Wow, what a change of fortune from the first half. As I as I messaged you at the end, that was beautiful. That was, mate. Okay, I, I'm going to apologise to our listeners now. My adrenaline is still pretty high from that. My, uh, I, I am so excited by that. My glasses are about as rose-tinted as they come. I am going to be hugely biased for this <laughs> bit. I am, that was a great win. It was, it was. Mate, I'm, the only annoying thing is you called it spot on at half-time. Yeah, that's what's going to uh, happen. That's obvi- the only thing that annoys me. Obviously, it would have been nice to have seen a try or two. Um, yeah, and and, and the, we could have got some. The opportunities were there. Um, I think you yeah. know. Unfortunately, Elliot Daly <laughs> let Johnny May down a couple of times when there were opportunities. Yeah, on. And Johnny yeah. May. I'm sorry, uh, Johnny May walks into any team in the world. He's he, yeah, mate. I, I, I thought that halfway through. He's so good. Has- I, I don't really understand. It kind of snuck up on us. Like, he was always quick and always good. It kind of snuck up upon us. He is now one of the top two wingers in the world, for sure. You know, he is a guy who, if you get him the ball in space, doesn't matter where you are or who's in front of him, you're thinking, there's a chance. Do, do you know what it is? I think the fact he is so dumb, and I say this respectfully, <laughs> just means he doesn't overthink things. He's just like, I'm going to run. Where's the space? I'll run there. <laughs> Right, so t- um, talk to me, Dan. Talk to me about um, <coughs> Mark Wilson, who in the first half you said he's all right. Uh, Man of the match, yeah, right? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, as I said, actually, before the start of the match, he's hard as nails. Um, <coughs> those, so that that first half was all about just holding on the resistance. It was going to open up. 
he's hard as nails to do it. I do think Zach Mercer added massive a lot when he came yeah, on. Yeah. Um, and, and that's yeah, good as well, because I, I think that sends the message... Was, was well. Yeah. well, it sends the message to Eddie Jones that, you know, a big ball carrier, don't get me wrong, we want Billy back, but a big ball carrier isn't the be-all and end-all. You, you know, so so there are there are other opportunities. I don't know, is that sending the message to him or to us? <laughs> maybe maybe he's already al- always known that. I think that's spot on. I think that's spot on, mate. It's sending a message to us. During the week, I, I know you listened because we spoke about it, listening to the uh, BBC rugby podcast when they were out in Portugal, the amount England have been, and Eddie Jones have been beaten up over the last few months by everyone, ourselves included to an extent. And then you hear that interview with them and they were so jovial. They were all bought into it. Today, some of those hits, the attitude of the England team was absolutely spot on. So the fact that everyone's having a go at them, they're just getting on with it. And they've, that looks like a really bonded team, like a team who wanted to play and win together. I was really impressed yeah, with that. But the second half, so that the, there is the big question of yeah. what what went wrong in the first half, and that's what they need to get right because New, New Zealand aren't going to let them off in the first half. So even if they can put in a performance like the second half next next weekend, you know you can't do that if you're twenty points down after the first half because you know you weren't given kind of a free run. So they need to obviously sort out whatever went wrong in in the first half there. We, we, yeah, I think we were outmuscled in the first half, but you and me- we didn't take it to them enough. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned big hits. Talk to me about because it's going to be debated massively on social media. Anyone non-English is going it to be saying fine. it was fine. Is, is going to be saying he didn't rap, and anyone English is going to be saying it was absolutely fine. What would we be saying if it was the other way around? We'd be saying it was an absolute disgrace. You should have been sent off, and it should have been penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we both know that's what we'd be saying. But I think Owen Farrell actually cleared it up very well. He was running hard and passing him. Owen Farrell hasn't charged into him. He stood his ground. Let's watch it. Owen Farrell has stood his ground. Dropped his shoulder. I think that's okay. I mean, I, he's got lucky because he, he was very close to shoulder on chin, which regardless of whether he wrapped or not would have been a card, a red card. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his right arm doesn't wrap. Now, maybe because no, the shoulder gets in too quickly and it prevents the arm coming forward, but it's going to be debated a lot. I mean, obviously, the fact is it went to the TMO and the TMO made the decision. So, uh, And there's, you know, there's no guarantees the kick would have gone through, but you assume that it would have done. It was a match-deciding decision. Um, and I, I, the reaction the reaction from him once the decision was made was brilliant to see. It just shows that passion. And, and you know that's what we, f- we felt like England lacked a little bit of um certainly you know in the summer and, and towards the end of last season so um yeah that we just just yeah great result obviously not the big high scoring game that we predicted um well no hang on i said 12 11 to england did you uh not, not out loud but oh, i'm okay, pretty sure well out loud you predicted a high scoring game uh as I, did i, I, I predicted a three point win to england did you yeah, well, I did. Yeah, I genuinely did. <laughs> anyway, we, we both thought there'd be some tries. Uh, there was one try in the first half, but um, yeah, just just a, just a, you know exactly what England need. And as as Sir Clive said, it's it was such an important win because it sets up the, the autumn internationals. You know, a loss against New Zealand is acceptable. They're the best team in the world as long as the performance is right. But South Africa was always the sort of the, the the one that we that we kind of needed to win, even though we were the underdogs. So so let's not make let's make no mistake. This was a huge win. So that's what I, I mean. Know, I know people will. Yeah, no, I know, but I I know people will almost write off what I'm about to say. But there are a couple of times when the team sized up. The South African team for a man were huge in the pack were twice the size, and then that scrum when England won a penalty in the yeah. South Africa. But, and they all went mental. And then I think there was a, um, a kickoff or something. Farrell kicks it. And one South African just sprinting back full power. And two of the boys, I think it was Jamie George and possibly even Wilson, just sat him down. Yeah. Like the, the energy and the commitment to just actually at the end. I think what, what, what was interesting was when, when, when England started to fire, when, when the pace, when, it, when things quickened up um, and they started going, they, they were loving it. It was aggressive. Yeah. It was fast. In the first half, it was all very slow, and 
they overthought things and, and they kicked everything away. And when they started running ball in hand and, and putting pressure on South Africa, England were a different side. And that's the England side we need to see for 80 minutes. Or yes, 60 yes. minutes, you know, fair enough. Take 20 minutes just to get get a feel for the team you're playing. But that we want to see that, you know, throughout the game, not just in the in the final the final throws. Because obviously if you've given away too many points early on, it's going to be tough to get them back um, against a strong side. Um, but yeah, yeah what, what a result. <laughs> oh, mate, what a result. Did, did you see like Farrell's kit when they described it as Wilson there? Because then they're working with Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. Did you see them a match when they flip the screen to him to show him that? That guy is the most perfect human. He is just beautiful and just everything about him is awesome. Um, I love the fact he's involved with the kickers. Um, Owen Farrell today, to me, I, I think just once again showed how world-class he is, how important he is to England, and I like him at 10. I was about just about to say to you, what did you think about once George Ford came on at 10 and moved Owen Farrell to 12? Do you think it changed anything? Yeah, so when the game opens up and England are on the front foot, I think that's a good option. So so it's, um, it's almost justifying the decision to leave Cipriani out in saying that actually when Farrell is at 12... George Ford is the better man inside Owen Farrell to enable Owen Farrell yeah. to do what Owen Farrell does. I, I can't completely change my mind because I said Cipriani all the time, and I think I sit by that. But I, I think I think Cipriani could do exactly the same. But that's you know we're talking here one specific moment, like when the game at the end is opened up, it's tight. George Ford can help, but I think Cipriani could as well. But I think Cipriani can also help in other scenarios. That we didn't see today. Were you surprised to see Jack Noel come off? Like, I know he wanted to give Chris Ashton a run, but obviously in a really tight game, I thought Jack Noel was playing brilliantly. I, um, I wonder if that's about not having much game time. What, bringing Noel off, you mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe. But I just thought I thought he was playing really, really well. And well, who are you going to take off, Noel like, or May? No, no, 100%. You, you, if you're going to take one of them off, you've got to take off Noel if it's going to be one of the wingers. Um, and I think it had to be if you're going to bring Chris yeah. Ashton. And I want to see Chris Ashton um, playing, but it just—I don't know. It just—it seemed like. I mean, Clive Woodward said it when um, when Dylan Hartley came off. You know, Hartley had been playing brilliantly, and you're taking him off just because that's what you do at 60 minutes. But actually, yeah, he's playing so well. Is that the right call? Well, I, I mean, Jamie George one, played. Yeah, I mean, Jamie George played played well when he came on too. Um, and maybe that's the beauty of having a. Maybe that's what we. That's the, that's the ultimate goal is to have a squad where you're taking players off that could stay on, because the people you're bringing on are just as good, if not better, because they're bringing something slightly different. Yeah, it's one of those that's so tough. You bring them off and it doesn't work. Yeah, you look easy. like an absolute moron today. Every substitution just added a bit more energy to England. Like, they were proper finishers today. And they, everyone, even if it's not necessarily that them as a person did something brilliant, but just the spirit of the team, it all added. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you just sense more energy every time someone new came on. Right, so, well, I, I know that you I know that you don't like it when, when you know, all the, the calls that I make come true and yours, yours are all false. But you did say bring Moon on <laughs> at half-time. And, yeah, and nailed it. And that change was made at half time. Um, and that, I mean, it, interestingly, he he he, you know, he did select the two X to props the wrong way around. Like Moon does start, and um, so, so you know, it, it was that was that tactical? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. I think Moon will start next week. Do you think? Um, I'm surprised he didn't start. I honestly don't know. Actually, from that perspective. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, maybe there was a reason. I don't know what the thinking was, but it did make a difference. Um, I mean, the boys in the scrum had a massive, it was a monumental task ahead of them. And they stood up and they delivered. Do we know what's wrong with Curry? Do we know if it's serious at all? No, but I, I like Curry. But obviously he's off, he's, um, injured. It, it may yeah, be nothing. They, they, do you know what? I suspect he's out for a couple of weeks at least. So in that case, what do we do at seven next week? Uh, so I think we go... 
possibly even the last three, Sergeant, possibly even Wilson, Shields, and Mercer. And then what do you do? Bring Ben Morgan back? Yeah, possibly. So here's the thing. Actually, I thought Brad Shields did I thought Brad Shields tackling needs some work. Um he he went sometimes he yeah there were it's not that he let people through but he didn't always grab hold of people there, there were definitely and it actually was it was spoken about um, when they when they interviewed uh, Mark Wilson afterwards um, the first half they tried to make all their tackles up up high and as a result South Africa were were making yardage um, and in the second yeah. half they started to chop them down and then attack the ball at the breakdown and it seemed to work. I, I, who's the South African centre that was causing all sorts of problems? You know, they'd never. Nah, seen... It wasn't Levens, the other one, but yeah, he had a really good game. He's a good player. And, and you know, it, it get with him, it was all, always going high, and they needed to just get him on the deck, even if that meant he stretched forward and got a few yards and then attacked the ball. Yeah. Um, and, if, and hopefully, that's something England will learn, um, because particularly with all the new rules and everything else, I just think w- when you're playing against a big physical team, you you know, if if they if they're going to outmuscle you, then don't don't get your ego. Don't let your ego kind of drive you to try and challenge that. Work 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 kind of work around it, um, which is what I well, think they fairness, did in the second half. In fairness, right at the end, Owen Farrell showed how to stop them dead. So you know, maybe yeah, we just do yeah, a but, like that. Tr- true, but I don't want to see too many of those. That that was that was <laughs> yeah, right. close. That's I, that's yeah, typical. That's typical that. Owen Farrell, kind of slightly hot headed. You know, could have gone either way. It went our way. Cross our fingers, uh, sorry, you know, touch wood, and, and you know, it, thank, thank goodness. And, and as a result, it's a bit like kicking for the corner when you could have taken points, isn't it? It's like when it when it play, pays off, well, you're a hero. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that. It's something we harp on about like a lot. It's yeah, I've got to take my points when they should have. They would have won. True, true. Um, but but I don't know. I think no. I think South Africa in, the, in, in hindsight, yeah, beautiful thing. But I think South Africa were right when when we were down to fourteen men. And they were camped on our try line. Mate, I completely disagree at the time. I was like, you're on top of us. Why would you not just change that? Why would you not just guarantee those three points? I, Six no, nil. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that's a, I think in those, I think there are occasions when you have to add pressure. And I think if you just take, you've just taken England down to 14 men, put it in the corner, but instead of trying to throw the long line out, just play, throw the simple one and drive it. Throw, throw the simple one and drive it. And, and and they didn't. Each time they went long, and they just overthrew it. So, you know, when when pretty much every other line out they had, they made five yards, you know, five, six, seven yards, and that's all they needed to make to if, score the try. So, in that position, I want them to take the points. I'd have been angry if England. I, I want them to, but I'm not convinced that they would if they were a man up. But anyway, it, it, it's it's that that part of it's kind of irrelevant. It's it's done now. But um, and you know, it's easy to look back, and they will no doubt look back and go, "Oh, we left." all these points on the table, but, um, you know, ultimately it came down to uh, just not being, you know, they didn't take advantage in the first half and England were better in the second half. Yeah, England, England were good. Welcome back to top level international rugby England. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to next weekend. Would would you, next weekend, would you see Manu come in for Tio or did you think Tio did enough? I felt Tio was he, he, he's, he's a bit like um, oh, uh, Nathan Hughes you expect him to be to, to punish anyone he runs into and he doesn't sorry buddy can you hear me I've lost you yeah yeah I was just saying he, he's a bit like Nathan Hughes Oh yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So you know Nathan Hughes. You look at Nathan Hughes and you think, oh, he's going to be just like Billy Vinopola. They're like for like. You know, he's going to get the ball and smash through people. And for some reason, he just doesn't. He gets knocked backwards and he doesn't stop people dead. And then Ben Tio, you kind of think, oh, he's going to be like Manu. He's going to smash through people and and he just doesn't. He kind of he gets stopped uh, dead. Yeah, I mean, he tried to put a couple of big hits. He got bounced off. He he tried to break through tackles and he got knocked backwards. I don't know. I just. I feel like I, I think I think that's a bit unfounded. I mean, if he's in, well, when, when what he's I'm saying, if he's in there ball, to be a crash ball man, or if that's a big part of what he's doing there, he, I don't think he's succeeding on that front. But I don't think that's his fault. Like the defense can just like Manu, quite frankly, in those positions wouldn't have smashed through if he'd got in the same thing as Tia because the defense was what just so about? lined we, up. We, we have hindsight on our side and rose tinted glasses. Manu would have smashed through and scored a hat trick. Uh, exactly, and that's what he's going to do next week. Exactly. Right, well, I mean, 
Yeah, elated is probably the best way to describe that. Uh, Eng- you know, yeah. all the all the haters, you know, basically saying if England don't win three out of three out of four, you know, they might as well send Eddie Jones packing and they're rubbish and one star be- for the England rugby pod because England rugby don't play very well and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's now two from two. Yeah, both against South Africa, against, against a very very good team. Um, so you know, onwards and upwards. You know, there's only one direction to go. Well, actually, no, there's two directions to go in now. But um, you know, massive game next weekend. Uh, another one where they're going to be the underdogs, but but huge amounts to prove. And and you know, I still, I I I, I don't think it's a done by any stretch. Is it a done deal? I think England are more than capable of turning over the All Blacks. Just, they but they need to sharpen up and we need to see more of that second half performance throughout the match um, and I can't wait to see if they can do it come on boys that was awesome I'm so happy and yeah next weekend uh, are we going to do a pod in the week uh, I think we'll probably need to do something won't we just to sort of uh, yeah, see where we are and uh, may- maybe we'll leave it till Thursday once the team's been announced we'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear but um Guys, thank you so much for joining us uh, again. I uh, hope you enjoy you enjoy this awesome international series with our semi-live episodes. Um, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. If you disagree with anything we've said or you have any other thoughts, we've obviously had a few this morning, um, a few a few kind of points from you guys that have been really interesting. So we love getting those kinds of emails from you. So that's uh, englandrugbypod at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on social media at englandrugbypod. Um, and of course... As we always ask, please head over to iTunes, uh, drop us a review, give us a rating if you haven't already done so. Um, it's always nice to hear what you guys think. But um, yeah, big big week ahead, massive weekend next weekend, huge result today. Uh, we can't wait to have you guys back. <laughs>